Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons? Klingons? Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm looking at you right now, Ben, and you are it seems like you're in a dark room, and I'm looking outside. Oh. And it's because this is one of those dark L.A. days. Yeah. We're, we're getting June gloom here at the end yeah. of August. Yeah, this is it. I haven't gotten the June gloom yet. <laughs> I think that uh, this may be symptomatic of uh, I turned the I turned the uh, ISO down. Oh, you just down. need the iris open. Yeah, my my <laughs> camera was set to our Twitch settings. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to say I put on a a one by one LED light panel when we do a Twitch stream. Yeah, you sure do. Put a couple of ProMist filters on that baby. Really beautify your shit. <laughs> I do not have any ProMist filters. I gotta tell you, um, I also deployed a technology during our last Twitch stream, Ben. Something I didn't mention on the show. Oh. Or to you privately. Wow. Was this your uh, your stadium pal that you've been wanting to try <laughs> all these years? You know, on a two-hour TGI TGG, it probably would be a good idea. We do a fair amount of drinking on that show. If you haven't tuned in to our hit Twitch channel... It's the bigger love of the F.O.D. Uh, every once in a while, you and I are doing a Twitch stream on the odd Friday, let's say. Yeah. We'll open up some things that have been sent to us. We'll, we'll have a, a great time chatting with the friends of DeSoto. Anyway, I had noticed on the past few Twitch streams, I'll look at myself in the monitor and I'm like, God damn it. That guy has a big, shiny forehead. <laughs> and I'm talking about me, Ben. I'm not talking about you. I'm like, there's got to be, I got to do something about that. Did you put a little foundation? So I go to my wife, and I'm like, I know you have the technology to fix this. And I just gesture to my face. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I got just what you need. You've told me to do this before. You're like, if you take a piece of toilet paper or something, just wipe your forehead, dry oh, off yeah. your fucking oily forehead. <laughs> well, that's never worked for me. But she gave me these sheets out of her purse. They're, oh, yeah. Oil-sucking sheets. And I got to tell you. Where do girls get those? I pulled this thing across my forehead, and it looked like the bottom of a McDonald's bag that that (laughs) had previously contained, like, two large fries. Uh (laughs) It was disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, as disgusting as it was, forehead looked great afterwards. Wow. Did not have shiny forehead for the Twitch, in my estimation. Foreheads never looked better, so now... I want to get a a pack of these sheets. I want to have them on me at all times. I've seen these deployed a few times in my life, but I've I've never seen them like on a store shelf anywhere. And I'm no, I've never seen what this is, and I've (laughs) never seen this in my wife's purse before. I root around in there all the time. Yeah, I've never seen this envelope full of these things. It's it's a really remarkable technology. They're gonna go in my tour bag from now on. Like like I've seen pictures of me when we do live shows. Big shiny forehead. I hate it. You, you want to get like three or four ounces of tequila in you and at least a few of those across your forehead before we step out on stage. <laughs> the way I've been doing it previously is 
two or three giant tequila drinks and a 2K aimed at my face <laughs> for 90 minutes. Um, it's y- blinding. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in this technology. I've been, um, I have the TikTok app on my phone now, and I've never posted. Oh, no. I've never posted a TikTok, but somehow the algorithm has figured out that I will watch a pimple popping video if it comes up on uh, TikTok. Gross. And, and then it figured out that I will watch a peeling off a face mask video on TikTok. And now that seems I'm, way better than the first one. I'm fascinated by the like the peel away masks because I've I've mm-hmm. done a mask once or twice, but it was like clay, and then it, you're just like washing clay off of your face. Oh yeah, those are great. When I'm feeling a particularly bad face week, I'll totally do a mask. Yeah, I, I, I have to. My face is awful. <laughs> I want to try one of these peel off ones. I've never seen one of those on a store shelf either. I was like, this is great. Why didn't? Why hasn't this been available to me my entire life? Here's my promise to you, Ben. Hmm. I'm going to find out where my wife gets these sheets. I'm not going to steal them from her. I'm going to buy a stack of them. A stack as high as the stack of Jaegers that I have. It's not technically theft if it's your wife. We live in a community property state, Adam. Oh, you think it's legal then? Mm-hmm. All right. But, you know. I would, uh, you know, for sake of uh, marital cohesion, maybe clear it with her before you take a bunch. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, consideration for marital cohesion uh, in these parts lately. (laughs) Believe me. (laughs) I think I'm owed a couple of sheets at this point, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, you who is walking through leaky pipe water at 4 a.m. this morning. I've had a really bad day. Yeah. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but when you wake up for your 4 a.m. releasing of the water, <laughs> you don't want to walk into a surprise bathroom flooding. Yeah, that's... Uh, sucks. It's not ideal. Well, I, I don't remember if it was the last one or the one before, but we've been uh, we've had kind of a high hit rate of uh, Greatest Discovery recordings lately where <laughs> one or the other of us is super tired for a reason. We're going to get yeah. through this, baby. <laughs> I, I've got your back. I know you've got mine. Why don't we get into Season 2, Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers. For a show that, that revels in, in a reintroduction to an alien species, I like... The, the introduction of a new one, this Dupler guy. This Dupler guy is great. We don't have a cold open to uh, to get with this guy. No, you don't get one of those here. We come right into a, uh, a formal dinner where the uh, bridge crew are hanging out with this Dupler guy. Voiced by Richard Kind. Who is your friend who likes to play? Bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> Boy, if I could have been a fly on the wall in the studio session when Richard Kind came in to lay his audio down, I, yeah. I, I'm sure that would have been just an absolute delight. Like, he sounds like he is having so much fun with this character and, like, getting to do, like, ten reads of the same line so that it can come from all different points of a room. <laughs> I know most of the time you're doing ADR with like an engineer outside of a booth, the voice actor inside the booth. Yeah. That's how it works. Typical. I think you want to be in the booth with Kind, don't you? You want to get right up in there. Get in there with Kind. Your hospitality is appreciated, Captain. Is that a greatest discovery challenge coin? Is that like like kind of a call to call to arms a little bit for the friends of DeSoto? Oh. Get in there with Kind. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then instead of Kevin or Captain DeSoto, it's Richard Kind on the challenge coin. It's uh, it's Tulare Cadavid on one side and Richard yeah. Kind on the other. Yeah, I mean because those are really the two the two main personality types of a friend of DeSoto, right? <laughs> You had my mother's funeral, and you didn't even tell me about it. <laughs> now she can't be buried in a Klingon cemetery because she had a tattoo? This is all news to me. Larry, you stole the flowers from my mother's roadside grave to Funkhauser. How did you even notice? <laughs> This guy, very relatable to us, Adam. Avoiding embarrassment at all costs. Or just being disturbed in in any kind of way. Yeah. He drops a fork. That is a a real catch-your-breath moment because the bridge crew are worried that he will duplicate if he gets gets out of regulation. When this dupler drops his fork, Ransom really Billy Madison's here and uh, and pisses himself so the dupler won't feel ashamed. It's a real close one there, but Ransom saves the day. Probably the most selfless thing that Ransom has done. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. And they, they barely make it through this dinner before he has to go, uh, you know, prepare himself for the next part of his uh, of his voyage. Weird that he pisses rainbows as a <laughs> as a carryover from the first episode of the season. Yeah. Well, you can see that it's initially rainbows, but then it's just piss after a minute because he's still got a bit of that in his <laughs> system. What you want to do is uh, is piss right after you shoot rainbows, so you don't get a, a UTI, right? <laughs> And uh, so concludes our pitch to the Skittles company for a commercial (laughs) with the slogan, piss the rainbow, taste the rainbow. So this Dupler beats it after dinner, which is great, right? You want a dinner guest to leave as early as Dupler does here. Mm -hmm. Gives the rest of the bridge crew to just sort of... uh, It's a real Dupler goodbye. Everyone in unison kind of unbuttons their top button of their pants and just sort of sighs in relief. At the... Starbase they're headed to, there's going to be a uh, command conference, and the after party of this conference is somewhat legendary. Party of the year, Carl! Uh, This is the rare situation where they take an entire starship to a conference. I love this idea, and we've learned for years how dangerous transit to and from conferences is. Yeah. And with a ship, it's not the case at all. No. It's completely safe, and... uh, this is another instance of Lower Decks doing that corporate life thing, where right. it, it's less about the conference and more about the socializing. Yeah, the networking opportunity of the of yeah. the after party, uh, which Freeman really sees as her entree into the big time. Like, she'll be there fresh off this victory with the Titan against the Packleds. She's going to be getting her back slapped a lot, and uh, she'll be able to take her, her next step up the, the corporate ladder. And uh, Boimler and Mariner are just as excited about this party. They are in the cargo bay, just stacking wharf spinal crushers. <laughs> this is very much what it's like when uh, when you and I are working in the warehouse of Podshop.biz. Oh, yeah. Just, just moving challenge coins and Uxbridge house mugs back and forth. This is all they do. This is all they're going to be doing, according to the schedule. And uh, they are lamenting not being able to go to this awesome party everyone's hearing about. But Boims doesn't realize that he does, in fact, have a way in. And that is his doppelganger. 
Yeah, having an evil transporter clone does have its benefits. Because with the Titan on the other side of the galaxy, Boimler can double mint gum his way uh, into the party as Thomas Boimler. Yeah. No problem. And, and what's more, he has a plus one, which is great for Mariner. Tremendous news. Just to be safe, I'll call Clone Boimler and make sure he's cool with it. Ah! Cut to a uh, a god shot of uh, of the ship, and the reveal is that this is just a model. Tendi and Rutherford are are making models together in the uh, in the ten forward area. Do we know the name of the of the restaurant on this ship? No. They should give it a name. It should have a snappy name for sure. Do we need to come up with it? Is that what is that what you're saying, Adam? <laughs> yes, of course we should. <laughs> it's. Cerritos Beef Bay and Bottle. How about uh, 11 Backward? But that's the same. Yeah. I don't know what deck it's on. Yeah. I I feel like knowing what deck it was on would really help. Do we know the bartender's name? We met that old bartender a couple episodes ago. And we we got filleted for not having his name nailed down when we recorded the show. I don't feel like he's like the Ted Danson type star of the bar though yeah. either like that no. you wouldn't name the bar after that character no but uh he's not the coach either you know like right he's not he's he's n- neither coach nor woody <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways they're building a model and uh this is a a model of the cerritos that is fully functional and programmed in multiple techniques and uh they're like you know, mounting a deflector dish and getting the cells put on. This thing really works. They shoot a phaser at a guy across the room. Oh, sorry. It's pretty awesome as models go. Yeah. Rutherford and Tendy are, are safely ensconced in the B story together where they belong. <laughs> and this B story is going to run throughout the episode and it's going to have to do with Rutherford uh, having some feelings about about feeling generally just, like, mentally compromised from his experience. He doesn't feel like he's as sharp as he used to be. A lot like uh, an Adam Pranica mm-hmm. as as host of Today's Greatest Discovery. But it's not super sharp. Crucially, though, he does not feel haunted. <laughs> I mean, maybe the main way that Rutherford presents as, as compromised to me is he attached the, the decals too early to his model. To me... <laughs> Decals are last. <laughs> the very last thing that you do to a model before it's done is attach the decals. Don't you ever, like, put the decals on and then put, like, do some, like, aging? Here's the thing. Like, I was always a, a brush and paint man. I was never uh, allowed access to the airbrusher as mm. a child home modeler. So I never I never made a model as a, as a home child. You were just told to sit quietly, and that was your hobby. No, it just seemed—it just seemed really hard and messy, and the fact that it was all just gray plastic, and then I was gonna have to paint it once once it was built, just seemed like give me a fucking break. It's a lot. Have you ever watched Stuart Wellington paint a, a model? I have. I'm not paying attention to the model in those videos, though. You're just—you're just paying attention to the hunk holding them. Sure am. Yeah. Stuart Wellington, one of the co-hosts of the Flophouse podcast, will occasionally do an Instagram live where he'll paint, like, Warhammer uh, figurines. And uh, it's not a world yeah. I know a ton about, but it's very fun to watch somebody really good at something like that just, like, demonstrate the science. It's very relaxing to work on a little model. No! Feels good. Yeah. 
I recommend it. Broke your little ships. They pull into this star base, and Captain Freeman uh, does a thing that I've definitely had happen to me a couple of times, where she gets caught talking shit by the person who comes in the door behind her. I've been with you when that's happened. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> when, when, when were you with me when that happened? All the time, Ben. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> you make it sound like I talk shit all the time. That's not true. There's a moment here that I only picked up on on the second watch through, which is the dupler having overheard the shit talk has started to split yeah. and duplicate. But the take that Shax gives on the on the cutback to over the shoulder of the dupler yeah. is so great because he like he wings his thumb up in a thumbs up motion <laughs> like Patrick Bateman in American Psycho talking about the Huey Lewis album. <laughs> it's awesome. Four, your most accomplished album. Yeah, so they they are mid FaceTime with this captain on the station who who sees what is happening on the Cerritos and is like, "Do not dock here. You can." Solve your Dupler problem first, and then you may, we may consider letting you come to our space station. It's a real, like, we can't trouble with Tribbles the Conference type situation. Yeah. And the bridge is, like, full of Duplers at this point. I mean, they're swimming in them. It's mm-hmm. not just an uncomfortable, oh, geez, this sensitive person is, is doubling and doubling and doubling. It's, I'm immediately pressed against a wall and finding it hard to breathe. And uh, I don't have any quadrotriticale to show for it. Oh, that's a good poll. Good poll, Ben. <laughs> good poll. I would be standing at the trivia lawnmower, just <laughs> pulling and pulling on the cord until I got that one. Meanwhile, down in the in the uh, bunks, Boimler and Mariner are having a very Ben and Adam argument about how and what to pack. He's like, "Should we? Should we put some formal wear?" In our uh, in our bags, just in case. And she's like, no, this is like a shorts, t-shirt, and hoodie kind of a party. So that's all I'm going to bring. Well, I'm going to Star Trek Las Vegas. I, of course, don't need to bring a pair of pants for any reason, right, Ben? <laughs> Why would you need that? No pants. Yeah. So they, they materialize on this space station, and it's a it's a real delight. It's, it's, uh, it's very fun to see... Uh, interior space station when it's a cartoon because the budgetary constraints are very different and it's not hard for them to make it look spacious and crowded and interesting. Yeah, we were deprived of this and we have been for all of Star Trek basically. All the interior scenes inside star bases have for the most part been inside conference rooms and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you rarely get the shopping mall experience that we get throughout this episode, and it really feels like Springfield Shopping Mall from The Simpsons. Yeah, you you really understand why Commander Quinones takes that job, you know? <laughs> yeah, it isn't long after Boims and Mariner arrive that a shadowy figure has clocked Mariner and is telling the person at the other end of the walkie-talkie that she's been found. So... She's got some history here. She used to live here. Um, mm-hmm. They walk into a shop, and an alien named Malvis gets a gun on them. Malvis was one of the guesses that Jerry Seinfeld had of his girlfriend's name, right? <laughs> My aunt's name is Malva. She's she's a masseuse. This is uh, some some kind of former jilted partner in crime of Mariner's, and he refers to her as Becky. Mm-hmm. Um, he should be sort of like a small timer uh, of the collector variety because he has a couple of 
collectory items in the shop here, uh, including a, super... uh, the shirt that Riker put on on the uh, on the ladies are in charge planet. I can't believe this. I don't believe this. Why, what is this attitude on? This Malvis guy is more pissed than we've ever seen an alien of his kind before. Ben, the last time we saw one of him was in that one TNG episode. Yeah, where they were eating the red hockey pucks. Yeah, the hockey puck episode. <laughs> and uh, and the, the thing about that type of alien is that they're pacifists. Yeah. Like ultra pacifists. So it's weird to see this guy on the delivery end of a phaser. After what you did to me, Becky? Becky. Do you think uh, he's from the mirror universe, though? Because he's got the the mustache and goatee, so maybe he is the interdimensional version of this same species. That's a great point. Yeah, <laughs> that's what the mirror does to people. Yeah, it sucks over there. <laughs> so Mariner quickly gets in good with this guy. She wants the information about the location of this party, and. This Malvis guy is only willing to give that up if she agrees to move some data bubble bath figurines for him. This is a show that is at this point just daring Star Trek to officially license merchandise. (laughs) uh, Data bubble bath, maybe a couple of lore bubble baths. What would lore bubble bath be? Would it be like slightly spicy or something? (laughs) The lore bubble bath makes me feel a sense of confidence when I get out of the tub, like uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. like he made Croesus feel. Yeah, yeah. He was always building up Croesus. I mean, if you're going to get into a onesie like that, you're going to want to be brimming with lore-like confidence. Hey, you know who definitely doesn't want to take a bath? Is a Borgs. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's like getting into a, a bathtub holding a toaster? Yeah. It's like holding a toaster in one hand and a hairdryer in the other yeah. hand. And <laughs> That's why they stink. They can't bathe themselves. They just can't. <laughs> so back on the Cerritos, uh, <laughs> Rutherford is just gripped by this crisis of self. He's finding notes that he's left himself that he can't remember. It's kind of a memento situation that he's having. Yeah. And uh, and the and the mess hall is filling up with more of these dupes. Shax comes in with a bunch like under his arms and is like, <laughs> This is this is dupe overflow now. Get out. If you're not a dupe, you're no longer welcome. You're right about that terminology, Ben. The dupes have kind of become liquid at this point. <laughs> they really have. I mean, like, there's there's a scene later where it's like Rutherford and Tendi might drown in dupe. Yeah, that's an ugly way to go. Not ideal. So, uh, so they have to uh, escape, and in an elevator, Rutherford is getting shocked because he's trying to rewire the ship so that the lights will come on. It's just not going well, and he's getting really frustrated. He's found all these pieces that have these, like, cryptic notes on them. But uh, this is a model that he started when he, uh, before he lost his memory, and uh, these, these notes don't mean anything to him now. It's sad when you're good at something and then you stop being good at that thing for some mysterious reason. Huh. Yeah. The making the lights work is the hardest part of building a really cool model. I used to run into this problem all the time. The wiring was was the shittiest part. Oh, man. This is, this is why I don't like doing electrical work around the house, either. Yeah. All of a sudden, my lights are flashing, and the electrician's telling me I almost burned the place down. I don't have good fine motor skills, you know? I feel like that that would just, like, challenge me on a on a physical level. 
I feel like my motor skills are fine. I just don't know what to do with them. Yeah. I had a pediatrician yeah. tell me, you're not going to grow up to be a surgeon. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Fucking crushed my dreams. Look what I, look at look what wound up happening to me. He he doomed me a life to a life of podcasting about Star Trek, Adam. You should get a new doctor. Because I know that person is still your doctor, Ben. Yeah, I still do go to my pediatrician. God. Hey, can I interest you in a car chase, Adam? Uh yeah. They're uh, they're driving these uh bubble baths down to the cargo area. They're not really supposed to be there. And they get pulled over by station security. And uh, it turns out that Malvis was uh, was tricking them. I mean, they're real bubble baths, but they, the crates have uh, have guns in them also. Yeah, it's not like the the bubble baths are contraband in any way at all. No, it's it's got one of those uh, those fake bottoms. Yeah, fake bottom cases make the contraband go round. <laughs> is how the song goes. <laughs> And if you like the Argo scene from Star Trek Nemesis, you're going to love the next five minutes of this episode. Man, this is, I thought this was a really beautifully animated car chase. There were lots of fun car chase jokes. Yeah. Bullion barbershop, uh, tailoring shop. Like I liked Boimler shouting out all of the different types of places they drove through. I liked the like throwback to almost every action movie from the 80s and 90s, which featured a car chase that somehow took place partially in a mall. It's big fun. And you're right about the animation, Ben. It's so good. Like throughout this entire episode, it's, it's the car chase that really nails the point. Yeah. But it makes me feel like the way Futurama made me feel when I first saw it. Like, I didn't know animation could be that smooth. Right. And this is a scene that almost feels that way to watch. Yeah. There's so much going on and so much detail. It feels so high production value. And I guess I don't have, like, good enough animation terminology to, like, describe exactly why. But it feels like network television grade, like, primetime animated series work yeah in this sequence and it's exciting and funny and they just they just did it right you know like it works so well i spent a lot of last week sick in bed and one thing i was so happy i had when i needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was factor meals Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. 
and uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Malvis makes the case before the car chase lights off that uh, all Starbase cops are bastards in a way that I wanted to <laughs> scrutinize a little bit. Yeah. Is this not the Federation? Like, what the fuck? That's where I was at. Why would these guys be on the take like this as as they're clearly said to be? Yeah, because like Boims is like making the case to Mariner like, yeah, we should just, you know, admit that we were like doing this favor for this guy and we don't know anything about these guns. And she is like, that will not work out well for us. I wonder if this is like a going to a Navy Yard town. Like if you go to if you go to Bremerton or Norfolk or something. Uh-huh. Like like the Navy has their part of it, but then there's like a a city that that surrounds it. And maybe that's what a starbase is like. You've got your you got your your Starfleet military apparatus there, but you also have the civilian population with the stores and whatnot. Another thought that just hit me was what if the station security are, in fact, pretty cool, like utopian security apparatus, and Mariner is just taking advantage of Boimler's ignorance to go on a a wild adventure. I think that's probably more likely. Yeah. I mean, it's unresolved in this, but uh, the stuff with Malvis having been abandoned on SETI Alpha 4 sort of sparks a conversation about abandonment issues writ large w slash r slash t boimler and mariner uh she felt really abandoned by him when he went to the titan 
and it's just uh, it's abandonment issues all the way down. Referring to a SETI Alpha planet, this was not my favorite reference that this series has made. I think I would like my fruit to hang from a branch, one branch higher than this. Yeah, there does seem to be like a middle kind of thing that is a, a good type of reference for this show. That they nail all the time. Like if it is too famous, it doesn't really slap. Yeah, and it's the it's the too famous reference that tends to clunk a little bit on this show. And I think it's... I feel like this is an argument I've made before, which is like the show is so good in so many areas that the few moments where it chooses easy trivia are the moments where I'm like, well, why did why did you make it that easy? <laughs> You're so good and smart and funny the rest of the time. Yeah. Tendy and Rutherford are in the uh, shuttle bay where they hang out with the, uh, with the Sequoia Previa, uh, mm-hmm. getting just like pinned into a corner by the ex- ever-expanding crowd of Duplers. They, they wind up on top of the Sequoia and... The Duplers are are finding new shit to get embarrassed about at a rapid enough clip that the that the shuttle is like lifting off the ground and ascending toward the ceiling. And Rutherford's like, "This is great. There's a there's a hatch up there. We'll just we'll just hop out at the hatch." And Tendi reminds him that that hatch has been sealed recently. Not something he remembers due to memory loss and. Uh, he he confesses that he kind of feels like a worse version of Rutherford since the since the new implant. The great thing about this ship model is that it has a functional warp core in it. <laughs> and Rutherford realizes that they can weaponize this thing if he and Tendi turn the warp core ejection keys simultaneously. Yeah. I didn't ever build any miniatures as a kid, but I I always loved them, and I had a friend whose father was like a, I don't know what the term for this is, but he was like, whatever it is to be an architect that designs ships, like he designed ocean-going vessels for like a huge shipping company, like the kind that, you know, have like 10,000 shipping containers on them and and like bring, you know... The kind that Captain Phillips captains. Yeah, he 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 designed Captain Phillips ships, and uh-huh. his hobby was making steam en- miniature steam engines that really ran on coal. What? And so, like around their house, they so had... like little pieces of coal. Yeah, I don't. I I uh, I never actually got to see the coal, but they like you know like a a train engine that was like three feet long but weighed like. <laughs> fucking a hundred pounds because it was like made out of metal and actually worked the exact same way that a huge steam engine would. Is this the kind of train that the kids ride on at Knott's Berry Farm or something like that kind of yes of but, deal? But even littler. Wow. Oh. Like like too little to ride upon. Like oh. really really little, but not HO gauge. You know. Yeah, we're talking like double D gauge. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so much like my elementary school friend's father could, Rutherford ejects the warp core. So this is the real thing, and it is just smaller scale. And uh, there's a very adorable sequence where they get out their tweezerman scissors and turn the isolinear chip key cards simultaneously. And uh, it works just like a grenade. Very low yield. Tweezerman, the... 
only brand of tweezers good enough for a shout out on the greatest discovery <laughs> we see you tweezerman i mean i could have said dr browns but i feel like that's a lot more obscure uh yeah it's obscure enough that i haven't even heard of him uh, it's a very good uh, type of tweezer if you've got a splinter adam would you consider a dr brown an upgrade from a tweezerman uh, for almost no other purpose than a splinter is a Dr. Oh. Brown a useful tweezer. It's very, very fine point. And uh, yeah. it's so fine of point that, like, I've pulled them out to, to do a splinter once or twice, and my wife has been like, get that crap out of here. We're using tweezermen. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so the core gets ejected, the little hatch gets blown open, and yeah. they're out of there. They escape the rising Dupler sewer water just in time. <laughs> Shut yeah. the hatch behind him. A uh, rising Dupler tide raises all previas. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> Back on the station, uh, this chase has not ended, Ben. No. The chase goes on through the aviary, which is a place full of Aurelians. These, yeah. are, these are people we've seen in the animated series before. Right. And uh, the bird people live in, uh, in spheres up, on the, up in the trees, but there's also non-sentient birds hanging around down on on the on the ground and you know tourists and stuff they're they're uh they're speeding through this they might kill a uh i guess this this guy this guy was really giving me um boothby vibes the uh the groundskeeper i maintain like let's just make this canon if you're in star trek and you have an outdoor area you need maintained. You are issued a Boothby. Oh, so you the think... Sta- this is the station's Boothby. Yeah. All other stations with an area like this, a park area, have a Boothby. So you're saying in this scarcity, this post-scarcity utopian future, Boothbys are a commodity. They are a commodity, and specifically a commodity that begs for death. <laughs> yeah. Because when, uh, when Mariner's car is skidding around a corner heading Boothby's way... He kind of does that thing like he's on the front of the Titanic, mm-hmm. like arms spread open, like ready to take the hit. Yeah. Closes his eyes slowly. Uh, this is how I die. Uh, but no, they, they hit a rock. They flip over him and go into the drink. Yeah, Boothby's hell is just beginning. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's going to have to yeah. rake all those bubbles, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. On top of the leaves that he's already raking. God, what a mess. Or were those feathers that he was raking? Probably a mess of feathers and leaves. Oh, man, what a mess. It's probably a nightmare. Yeah, that's a drag. When Mariner comes out, she FaceTimes Melvis and says his plan has failed. They got away from the, the 5-0, and uh, it's time to make with the info. Where is this party? And uh, he gives it up when she threatens him with telling the authorities where the guns came from, which means... His entire plot hinged on Mariner not giving him up. Right. And once she makes it clear that that she's going to take him down with her, he gives it up. The party's in Ballroom Alpha, obviously. Duh. Where else would you even have the party here? Yeah. This is kind of a one-ballroom town. So they get to go. They go to the party, despite being covered in soap. Not so perfect of a future if there's a doorman checking names outside of a party, Ben. Yeah. The people in front of them in line read, like, too much like Riker and Troy to be not distracting to me. Oh, yeah. I did get that vibe. I was like, oh, they're right behind Riker and Troy. This will be a fun little cameo. Nope. (laughs) 
But is it that all well-adjusted, affectionate, long-term relationships present a Riker-Troy vibe that yeah. is distracting to us? Yeah. If uh, if somebody's giving that in- Imzadi energy, you're just kind of like, oh, there's a real Riker-Troy situation going on here. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. The plus one does not work. No. Beckett Mariner, too undesirable to be admitted to the after party. And uh, they're really holding up the line, but this bouncer is not going to be persuaded. And they have one of those conversations where one person is on one side of the velvet rope and the other person is on the other side saying, no, no, go in. I want you to have fun. You got in. I didn't. That's fine. Enjoy. This is an interesting bit of tension for Mariner because, I mean, ordinarily, I would think that she would never want to go to a party like this, like a stuffy... Starfleet party full of captains and admirals? Like, why would she want to do that? But this party's reputation is such that it's, it's the only place in the universe she wants to be. And she's pretty crushed yeah. by not getting in. And crushed further that Boyms is willing to go in without her. After, after a moment of not wanting to leave her behind, it kind of starts an argument between them. Yeah. And some, some scorekeeping has been revealed. I've been waiting for you to apologize for weeks, you dumb jerk. How was I supposed to know that? Maybe try being honest sometime. This is a real twist of the abandonment knife. And uh, in Boim's goes, some familiar faces in there, some fun cameos going on, and Mariner left outside, disappointed. What's she going to do? What can you do? You find a second location, Ben. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Mariner finds a cool dark bar to chill you can tell a bar is a dive if they have carl's hole up on the back bar where high-end liquor would be carl's hole uh, usually found in the bathroom but uh <laughs> this case displayed prominently behind the bottles yeah so uh she's she's in there drowning her sorrows and uh not taking good advice from the barkeep when uh when boims comes in and admits that he was not enjoying the party because uh, it's only fun if, if he's doing something like that with her. Back on the Cerritos, this multiplication of duplers is starting to become an existential threat to the ship. I'm sorry, Captain! The crowd has me now! You could sense that they're full to bursting at yeah. this point before Freeman's rage finally burbles to the surface. And this rage recombines the duplers in her immediate presence and it inspires her to spread the word throughout the rest of the ship this is how you get these guys to recombine it's very funny because like freeman snapping usually comes earlier in the episode and has bad consequences and this is this is freeman snaps in the like break into act three of the episode and it's the solution to (laughs) the c storyline I shouldn't have been, but I was fairly shocked by this moment. Yeah. Because I don't think that we get too many depictions of of people in Starfleet being mean. And so we get Freeman setting the tone here. Yeah. And then she spreads the word and then we get kind of a montage of of her crew berating these duplers. Your paw is weak and it disgusts me. I don't even know what that is, but I don't like your tone. <laughs> successfully might yeah. i add yeah abuse the dupes is the is the way to get them to to mush back together 
I've never taken this side of, of this argument before, but like this was maybe the only moment in watching Lower Decks where I started to imagine <laughs> a little bit of a pang of, uh, yeah, in, in, in Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers, <laughs> that moment where Freeman is really mean to the, to the duplers around her, that, that, that just doesn't, doesn't feel, feel like my Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> so I guess that's more of a statement and, and not a question. I feel you on that, but the thing that solves the math of this for me is that when Freeman gets on the, on the shipwide uh, announcement, she has to tell everybody, like, overcome your Starfleet training, overcome all of your instincts, and talk shit to this guy. Right. I mean, that combined with the proof during the entire episode that the Duplers fucking suck. <laughs> like, there is nothing redeeming about this character at all. Yeah. I don't even like his costume. No. Bad costume, bad alien. But, like, intentionally made that way. Yeah. So they're, they solved the problem. The Duplers are back down to one Dupler, and they're going to be able to make the party. This is great news for Freeman. But unfortunately, Freeman gets doormaned, just like Mariner did. Not even a captain can rant their way past a bouncer. I mean, no matter how heroic her speech is, and this is a great speech for her, it's a great Freeman moment. And I think you need this Freeman moment in proximity to the mean Freeman moment we got moments ago. Yeah. In the bar, Mariner and Boimler are kind of bumming out that while they've had a, an important heart-to-heart with each other, they still don't get to go into the party. And the barkeep is uh, basically saying, like, this may not be your year, but this party has been going on for a long time, and there are plenty of cool people that have not gotten into it. You're not the first two to end up in here after striking out. And uh, she points down at the bar where uh, Kirk and Spock have carved their name right into into the wood of the bar. Yeah, and then we uh, we tilt up to Carl's Hole, and their initials are also carved <laughs> into the outside of Carl's Hole. Yeah, along with Philippa Giorgio's. <laughs> yeah. This sort of lets the pressure out of the whole thing. I mean, this is the moral of the story, right? We, we get an elliptical edit to the exterior of the bar where Freeman is with the rest of the bridge crew, and Mariner invites them inside because, as we learn in the scene that follows... Why do you want to be with people who aren't your people? Yeah, stop trying to, like, socially upgrade at the expense of your existing relationships. Absolutely. Well put. And if you can, try to ruin that party by beaming a a dupler into it. Yeah, yeah. Which Freeman does. I didn't think the outrageous O'Connor would go out like that. Yeah. RSVP. Yeah. Uh, Tendi gives Rutherford a DS9 model kit. I like that it's Quark's brand. Presumably it's got hundreds and hundreds of, uh, miniature photon torpedoes to defend itself. Oh, yeah. A little impulse engine to move it around. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that this Freeman Chaos Agency of, of beaming Dupler into the party really makes the case that the apple does not fall far from the tree. Like, I always yeah. thought of Freeman as being a real stick-up-her-butt-by-the-numbers kind of captain, and uh, turns out she's got a little bit of Mariner in her. 
Yeah, I mean, if Mariner gets thrown in the brig every other episode for what she does, yeah. I mean, Freeman is deserving at the end of this episode. But that's not the vibe yeah. that we end with here. It's uh, it's very fraternal at yeah. the end of this episode. The uh, the final shot is of uh, the Cerritos docked at the station and a couple of windows in the station uh, with blinking purple light as duplers continue to divide and fill up the party it's sort of like the end of real genius where (laughs) instead of blowing up a house filled with popcorn (laughs) they blow up the party by filling it with duplers as they wallow in the embarrassment of showing up at a party they weren't invited to yeah the episode ends before we see the station completely destroyed yeah RSVP millions and millions of Federation <laughs> citizens. <laughs> There's no punishment to fit Freeman's crime here. Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Did you like this episode, Ben? I did. I had a, I had a lot of laughs. I do really vibe with your misgivings about the solution to the problem as be an asshole. Yeah. I think that they, like, find in-universe ways to make that feel less bad in the moment but mm-hmm. taking one step back it's just not my favorite kind of solution to a star trek problem and uh yeah if i could if i could change one thing about it that would be it but uh overall i had a good time watching it how about you i want to be clear that like i don't sincerely feel hurt by this episode's decision to solve its problem via assholery (laughs) Ben you know this about me I am an asshole and I'm not a great person all of the time I I was just surprised by this show's choice in depicting uh, a captain behaving that way and I'm not indicting it for that reason I I think just describing it as as being surprising is enough is sufficient it's very much not the style of solution that Picard would come up with and that's fine. Yeah. Just I'm just fine with that. Yeah. I'm growing more and more intrigued by the concept of celebrity on this show as it's depicted. Yeah. I think we're on a real run here of not just a trivial depiction of a character or an object depicting a famous Star Trek character, but like a MacGuffin, like a like a main aspect to an episode having to do with a character like Data being the bath shampoo figurine here these things keep coming up and i really don't believe that it's fan service here i think the series is trying to say something about celebrity through how these characters interact with that and them and i don't think the show is finished saying what it's trying to say about it but it's definitely something that i'm keeping an eye on like i think the show has a point And I think the way Boimler treats celebrity versus how Mariner treats celebrity versus uh, all the rest of the characters do, uh, I think we're we're going to coalesce around an idea here about that. And I think, and I'm just very interested in how this is, this is going as the season goes on. Pretty interesting stuff. Well, Adam, do you want to uh, see if uh, anybody is trying to make a point in our P1 inbox? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Oh, boy. 
The message goes like this. It's always leg day at Jim Shimoda. <laughs> but we have a good time with it. So join us. We're not ripped like Ransom, but we like to work out and encourage each other. And exercise is a proven antidote for strange energies. <laughs> Hopefully you haven't yet deleted Facebook because, as the prophets say, we exist there. So check out Jim Shimoda, where there's always sweat in that nebula, and we're grateful for the weirdly enormous showers on starships. <laughs> Seriously, though, why are they always so huge? Wow. So uh, the call to action here is hello from Jim Shimoda. That, of course, spelled G-Y-M like gymnasium. Uh, and, boy, we've met a bunch of of Jim Shimoda members through our tours. Yeah. And uh, even at Star Trek Las Vegas. Very firm handshakes on the Jim Shimoda crowd. Well over a hundred uh, riders on Peloton use the hashtag Jim Shimoda. Just, just a lot of Jim Shimoda out there. And uh, I love Jim Shimoda. I belong to Jim Shimoda. It's the only gym I belong to right now. Wow. Maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution. Join a gym, Shimoda. Yeah. Adam, our next priority on messages from eWizzy, and it's to Ben and Adam, goes like this. Long-time listener, I get high with my baby, just became a Max Fun member, I just left the mall, I'm getting fly with my baby, first P1, and I can ride with my baby. Love the show. I be in the kitchen cooking pies with my baby. I accidentally purchased two personal P1s. Oh well. Oh, jeez. E-Wizzy. I mean, I'm looking for evidence of E-Wizzy's second personal P1s, and it looks like E-Wizzy might have successfully removed the second. Unless it's on the Greatest Generation uh, promotional spreadsheet, in which case we wouldn't know right now. But it seems like E-Wizzy, if they're not already a member of Jim Shimoda, might want to consider it because... Uh, this is a person that is interested in traps and working them out. Uh, wow. Well, thank you to Ewizzy and to Jim Shimoda for leaving those P1s. Um, much appreciated. We, uh, we keep the show going in part due to the uh, financial support of those. So uh, if you'd like to get one listening out there, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set it up. P1s make us strong. <laughs> there are snacks. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? I guess it's got to be Freeman, right? Because if there is a triple problem mm -hmm. in this episode, it is the Duplers, and the person that triggers the Dupler problem is Freeman. She's the cause and solution, isn't she? She's the cause and the solution. And uh, Larkin just gets crushed by, by Tribs, right? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't solve the problem. But no. he fucking for sure causes it. He's left to die. RSVP, Edward Larkin. Freeman, you're my Larkin for this episode. My Larkin's going to be uh, the doorman. Outside the party. <laughs> because the doorman is emblematic of so many great characters on Lower Decks that is given one or two very brief scenes, and yet you feel like you know this person's entire deal yeah. from only a few lines of dialogue. When he comforts Mariner after not being allowed into the party, mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought that was just really sweet. <laughs> yeah, so I dug that about the doorman quite yeah. a bit. He's my Edward Larkin. 
Well, we have uh, gotten to the point where we don't have any screeners left. So I can't even tell you what next week's episode is called, Adam. It's just episode number 2.6 is what they've got. Well, that's what's coming up next week, Ben. It's Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 6. Yeah. We'll enjoy it. Hopefully you'll enjoy it with us. Okay, listen to these fucking credits. What is your attitude with these credits, Ben? I don't know. I just want to get through them so I can get on to my next podcast. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoto podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. You know, the Duplers are a lot like the Friends of DeSoto in one way only. There's just so many of them. And we really appreciate that they support the show at MaximumFun.org slash join. No matter what Ben will tell you, our show doesn't run on sensitivity. It takes a lot of effort to make it happen, so thanks to everyone who can support the systems that create what you enjoy. Thanks also to Adam Ragusea, who made the theme and interstitial music for The Greatest Discovery. If you have a food question, his YouTube channel has the answers from how much salt to put in your pasta water to whether or not you can eat a pigeon. So, something for everyone. If you're on social media, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at GreatestTrek, and use the hashtag GreatestGen when you post about the show so other friends at DeSoto can see it. By the way, one of the reasons being a fan of the show online is so much fun is Bill Tilly, our social media director. Those social media accounts, along with the Discord at DrunkShimoto.com, the Reddit page, r slash GreatestGen, And the many Facebook groups and pages are a regular source of fun and great places to make some friends. So that's the last of this season's Lower Decks episodes that we received early. Next week, things get real with episode 6, and we'll be right here to talk about it with you. So we'll see you on Tuesday for The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org Comedy and Culture Artist owned, audience supported.